We good? Yeah, well, there it is. Sorry about that. Man, I tell you, the Lord is uh, doing some, something new. Uh, and, and, and Joey was saying it. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm declaring it. The revival is, is here. I really feel like, and it's, it's going to be a different type of revival. It's not that tent meeting revival, where, but it's a relational revival where it's going to be sustained through relationships and the body coming together and loving one another where they are and helping them become all God created them to be. And, and it's a different style. I think the, the, other, the old style fizzles out really quick, whether it's months, but the one that sustains is through relationships and connectivity in the body and unity in the body. And, and boy, I can just feel it at hand. I can feel it in the air. It's in my bones. And, and I, I couldn't even worship that last song. I mean, I, I was just in the presence of the Lord and just humbled before him because I, it, it's, it's like those things you can see and you can feel, but it just hasn't, it just hasn't come to fruition yet. But it, it, it's here. And so I, I know we're all hungry. I know we're all looking for that fresh start. We're looking for, to shift into our new seasons coming out of the summer of jumble and chaos and, and just craziness and just tired of, tired of culture and what's, what's, what's going on. And we're ready for something that has some foundation to it. So let me tell you, you're in the right spot. The Lord has brought you here on purpose to find purpose. And so I, want to have, I have some celebrations for you. You may not have, you may have forgotten, or maybe you don't even remember, or you didn't know, whatever the case, but there was a, a pretty strong hurricane that came through southern Louisiana. Now, we've had a lot of news with Afghanistan, and, and of course, we just had a, you know, a memorial of, honor, of 9-11, and, and so a pastor friend was reaching out to, for help for some of the local smaller churches in southern Louisiana, so we as a body, through our giving, have been, were able to give $10,000 over to them to help. Yeah, we're helping churches. They're having to do mud out, so they're basically having to cut out sheetrock and, and restore. But they are, instead of just working on their building, they're helping their people who are also helping their community. And so it's a ripple effect that actually bears much fruit. And that's what we want to do. We want to we partner with people who are bearing much fruit. And that's, that's very biblical. Uh, speaking of bearing much fruit, Pastor P, kids, Pastor, what's up, girl? Well... I'll tell you what she's been doing, uh, I'm glad you're in here, since September of last year to September now, our children's ministry has had a 300% increase in kids on the weekend, bearing much fruit. In our, in our church services, our Sunday services at 9 a.m. has had a 200 and 945, I'm sorry, 1045 has had a 250% increase. That's huge. That, that is bearing much fruit. And God is all about metrics. Let me, if you didn't know that, if you don't measure something, you can't grow it. And God is all about growth. And I'm going to show you even in, in today's message how he begins to speak the, about the importance of growing and of metrics. And he even brings metrics up himself. But uh, another celebration is we just bought this 612 Old Tyler Highway. If you don't go through Waterburger in the parking lot, you go out to Old Tyler Highway, there's an old abandoned building on a house on the right-hand side, and we just purchased that this week as well. And so we're going to tear that down and clean that property up, and we're just getting ready for expansion growth. And, and actually going to put a prayer garden over there so you guys can come in and just, just have a place, a beautiful place to pray. And we'll be adding to that story as well. I don't have it in my notes, but I want to remind, let you know, too, you know, we adopted a church, and we became one, Release Free, and, and now Thrive Community Church. Well, the building that they have, we actually are turning it into what we're calling a Thrive Dream Center. 
And so there's currently a church that's uh, leasing it, a, a Spanish-speaking church on Friday nights and Sundays. So that's great. We're building bridges there, which is huge. That's our heart. But also, we're praying into what God wants to do going into 2022 because that's going to be our outreach center. That's how we're, going to, how, how we're going to change the dynamics in Athens is us getting outside of the walls of the church and going and ministering to the needs of people. Here's where you come into play. Where you come into play is praying for God's voice to be clear so that we can hear what his vision is, his heart, to bring change in Athens and Henderson County through that space, utilizing us and the body of Christ uh, abroad. And so that's our prayer Whenever we have clarity on that, we begin to have some detail of vision, we'll begin to articulate that and lay that out next year prayerfully and uh, just trusting God that he's going he's gonna to show up because he always does. He's always speaking. We just want to make sure we get it right and look for confirmations and affirmations and watch him bring it to fruition because that's what his, world, his word says that he will do. And now I, wanna, I, want, to, I want to pray for the—I uh, had a burden yesterday and this morning to pray for— Families, but children, this next generation of children who have been greatly affected by the loss that took place in 9-11 20 years ago. And so I remember where I was. Anybody remember where you were? Oh, yeah. Anybody remember the same feelings that you had that morning? And so it's amazing how experiences can bring back feelings and emotions, and it happens in all facets of our lives. But I want to focus in here because I, I was burdened for the children who have lost a parent in first responding or a, a part of the neighborhood or in one of those buildings or not only limited to, the, to that but the wars that followed and the many 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 lives not only here but abroad there's many other nations uh, that were uh, affected loved ones lost PTSD trauma, uh, trauma that has been uh, uh, just consuming lives ever since but then the generation that has emerged through that the babies would be 20 years old now and eight years old would be eight year olds would have been 28 years old so this is a generation of people that will have a paradigm of trauma based on what happened in 9-11 and so I really was burdened for them and so if y'all will with me let's just pray for them father we just thank you so much for the ability to even be in such a space as this after the effects and the things that have taken place in 9-11, Father, we thank you for every first responder that gave selflessly to the lives of others in those tra tragic moments. Father, we pray for their families. We pray for the generation that is, is emerging out of that, for the, the soldiers that have gone off to war from many nations and have, have given their lives so that we can have freedom to be in church, to serve you, to connect a purpose, to make a difference, Father. Thank you for their lives. Well, Father, we just pray a blessing as we prayed and sang a blessing for the thousands of the generations and the, the children and their children's children. Father, we just pray for those same blessings over every child of this generation that has, that has grown up with PTSD, with parents that were lost or a lost parent in a single parent home, no matter the effects. Father, we pray for the, 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 the wife or the, the husband that was left behind to pray that you just heal their minds and their souls and that they come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, everybody. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, we're in a, uh, a series, a new series called Calms On. And uh, this is really, uh, it's the base, it's one of the most desired topics of the body of Christ and for non-believers. They're wondering, is there a God? And if there is a God, can I hear God? And if, 
if, if I'm supposed to hear God, why am I not hearing God? And so I'm calling it comes on because it's communication lines. Our communication lines need to be clear, static-free, and they need to be pretty sharp. Because we're in a spiritual war. And when you're in a war, you need to make sure that your communication lines, your comms are on. You know, I have little children, and uh, it's a war having children, by the way. <laughs> it's a battle in between all the time. And so they're, they're doing something else, and you're trying to communicate with them, and they're not listening. And so we have a statement in our house. We say, are your listening ears on? And so they'll do this, and they'll tune in their comms. The, com the communication lines turn on, and so now we can communicate. We want them to know what it is we're about to say next so they can listen and follow suit, right? And so comms on. And so uh, I want to begin to, over the next four weeks, begin to kind of plow the field on this so that we can begin to clear, clear up the static lines that we have because we do have or have a tendency, we're all, none of us are, are, are avoid of that, have a tendency to have static in our lines, in our communication lines. And so I want to use this verse, where actually this, this particular message is called Out of the Muck. Now, Pastor Cass brought us out of the cave last week, and now, you know, we're kind of getting out, out of the muck a little bit of that. You think about the ash that was all over the place in New York in 9-11. You think about some of maybe you have heard stories from Vietnam where soldiers were so muddy everywhere, soldiers couldn't even take their boots off for months because there was so much activity. Well, that's a lot of muck. Well, life, in, because of 2018, the thing, I'm sorry, the eight, last 18 months since late, uh, late 2019, first of 2020, it feels like we're just in the muck of life with all the shifting that has been going on in life. And so it's just mucky. So how do we get out of the muck? Well, how did Elijah get out of the cave? What drew him out of the cave? And how did he know? And so we're going to begin to, we're building off of coming out of the cave coming out of depression, coming out of anxiety, coming out of worry, but then beginning to tune our voices to the true voice, the one voice. And as Jesus would say it right here, John 10, 3 and 5, it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Now, Jesus is using a parable, a story, an example, a metaphor, if you will. And Jesus is the gatekeeper, and we are his sheep. And he's using this as an il illustration. He's speaking to an agrarian culture, means an, a culture that was around agriculture. We would be for pretty familiar with that. Enough, we're around Athens enough, enough uh, around enough agriculture to know, oh, he's talking farm. So we're, we're, we're the sheep of his flock. And he says that when I, listen, when I open the gate, the sheep listen to my voice. They listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of it out of all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, if you've ever been in Israel or maybe around a sheep farm where there's multiple shepherds, for whatever reason that, be, that may be, in Israel it does take place. And if the sheep and the shepherds were crossing paths, there would be no worry or concern if I was going to lose my sheep or you were going to lose your sheep or our sheep were going to get mixed up because the sheep have become so in tune, so, uh, so become so safe in their, in their going out and their coming in because they've heard time and time again their shepherd's voice. And even while they were eating, they were never worried about danger because they just tuned in to the voice of their shepherd. And when their shepherd moved, they moved with him. 
And so they would know. And so even if there were two shepherds and two flocks or three shepherds and three flocks, their sheep are in tune with the voice of their shepherd. And no matter what every other sheep is doing, they're going to follow the sound of their shepherd's voice. And this is how they would, the shepherds were not worried about their sheep getting mixed up and jumbled because they knew. They had spent time and their sheep felt safe. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Or, for us, these are competing voices. It's another voice or voices that compete with the voice of our shepherd. And what we're going to do, we're going to help you to discern the voice of God, but we're also going to help you to discern, discern God's will for your life. Because many of you are in this season of making a major decision of life. And many are hearing God's voice, but a stranger's voice comes in and begins to mix in with the voice of, of the Lord. And it, it, it's called a jumbled message. And so think about this. Think about if you were in a war zone, which you are, but if you were in a war zone, in a literal war, and your commanding officer was giving direction to where you will be mobilizing next, and it's multiple platoons that are having to function together across a wide sp a span of land, of territory. Well, let's just say that that was because you were so far the distance, the walkie-talkie, the, commu the communication lines, the comms were not as clear as they should be. And so you're catching every few words or every other word. And it happens to be that because of your past experience or your intuition, your guessing, you're starting to put the story together and you're making your own interpretation. Or let's say your commanding officer is giving new strategy for a new, a new de destination, a new, uh, a new approach to come against the enemy or a new approach for mobilization for your platoon, your unit. And because you're catching every few words, it's all jumbled and you're kind of in chaos of, I heard this much, but I'm, I think he might be saying this. And so you start putting something together and now you've got multiple, multiple platoons doing different things. Can you see how that might create a little bit of a problem? Well, that's the importance of us having our comms on and knowing how to strengthen the line of those communications. And if you notice, even with a, if anybody have a walkie-talkie when they grew up and have another friend, a neighbor, and you try to talk to your neighbor in his house across, the, but the more, the further he got, and you're saying, let's talk all the way home, and, and all of a sudden it started to get really jumbly, and every, you hear a truck driver driving down the road, and you're talking to the truck driver and not your friend. Y'all know, you know, yeah, I did too. And, and so now by the time you're both in your homes, you can't really hear each other. It's really blotchy, but you're really just trying to hold on to the fact that you really want to do this. And, and that's where you're standing. And you're guessing what each other is saying. And, and eventually you just get frustrated and you give up. Well, that's how it is when you get further and further and further from the flock and further and further out on the fringe from the Lord, from what he is saying and doing, and all of a sudden, you think you're hearing the voice of the God, and the voice of God, instead of, of truly hearing and having clear calms, you're assuming because of your past experiences and your interpretation what he might be saying. And then you're making life decisions based on that. That's really better than that response was. Well, the static, though... <laughs> The static is not in the airwaves in this scenario as much as it is in the inner workings of humanity. It's the issues in the internal receivers that we have that we're going to work on. 
But here's what we need, must learn to do. Proverbs 3 and 6 says this, listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everything you're reading, every circumstance of life, uh, everything that you're, the people, the godly people around you are saying, and, and being in tune, what God's Word is saying as you're in God's Word each day. Come on, somebody, can I get an amen there? Yes. But everywhere you go, He's the one who will keep you on track, and He has many different approaches to give you guidance and affirmation and confirmations of what He's actually saying to keep you safe. Now, God doesn't have a speaking problem as much as we have a hearing problem. In Luke 8, 8, Jesus says this, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, he says this 24 times in the New Testament. So can you say that when Jesus says, if you got ears, would you listen, it might be important for us to tune in. Anybody got ears? So 8.5, I'm going to bring it back a little bit to, say, to show you here's what he wants us to hear with those listening ears that we have. Turn your listening ears on. A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky, rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and that's where we want to focus right there. We're going to sift through the others to get to the good soil, because that, it came up and yielded a crop, here's the metrics, a hundredfold. Oh, metrics don't matter. Yes, they do. According to Jesus, it show, if, you're, if there's good metrics, it shows the good soil. Good, and a hundred times more than was sown. So I threw a kernel and I grew a crop. It's not, and then, then he said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so he begins to articulate and speak what he means by this little phrase, this parable that he just spoke. And it's not that God has a speaking problem. It's that what he is saying is landing in the wrong place. I can throw seed out of my pocket and put it on this platform. We could come back a year later and see how it has done, and you will see that there are just simply seeds on a platform because of the type of soil that is up here. In fact, there is none. And so it's not that the seed is the problem. It's the soil that the seed is landing on that is the issue and what we have to work on. And so this is what God says in Luke 8, 11. He retells the story to hearers so that they will understand. And he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. It's God's word. So we're going to strap on our boots. We're going to get out of the muck. We're going to find our comms and, and get the static line clear. We're going to draw in so that we can begin to hear what God wants for our lives, his will for our lives, and not only that, our families, our businesses, etc. Luke 8, 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word. Remember, the birds came. The devil is, the birds are a representation of the devil. The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So the devil starts to speak soon after the Lord speaks to you. 
The Lord speaks, and man, it's exciting. And then all of a sudden, Satan comes in, and he adds to it. He manipulates what God had just said. He begins to move it a little bit so that he can make adjustments to throw you off. It started with a really good thing, and it really was God. But then Satan comes in, and he begins to make it something that it never was meant to be. There's an epidemic of God's people who are fringing away from the fold. And all of a sudden, they, they are probably hearing God's voice, but because of this soil, Satan is coming in and he's adding, manipulating, and twisting what they believe they are hearing from God, and it's sending them on a course that God had never intended and it never was his will for their lives. The first soil. And you need to know that God has a clear message for your decisions in this season and we are going to develop, starting this week for the next four weeks, a, a truth that you can learn how to clear the internal line static. You can decipher between these competing voices, and you can learn how to have faithful checkbacks that will not only save your lives, but they'll save the, the lives of the people around you. And so the path number one in this is the polluted heart. And none of us are above this struggle. And I'm not telling, standing up here self-righteous because as easily as you can fall into this temptation, I can too. Now, the key is how fast will I recognize there's something in my heart that don't sound right and doesn't feel right. And I need to get that checked out internally. So that's the key. And there's two issues in this. And one is the things that you have done. It could be the unforgiveness that you still carry. It could be the bitterness that's in your heart. It could be the resentment that's in your heart, the anger. Those are the things that you have control over. It could be that these, there's unrepented sin. Now that's one. But okay, you've done some things. Don't let shame and guilt start to well up inside of you and begin to control you because that's not God. Deal with it with the Lord and move on and find some healing from and through it. That's number one. But number two is some, could be some things that other people have done to you. And let me just tell you, it never really was about you and maybe another person. Maybe, maybe there's a relationship that was once strong and now it's all messed up. Let me tell you what, what, what Satan loves to do in that. He loves to throw a little burr in the midst of that relationship and, and, and mess up what God has intended for good so that he can then stand back and watch the two of you have, uh, have unforgiveness, have bitterness, have resentment towards one another. And when that's the case, neither one of you are hearing from God to know how to restore the relationship, which is kingdom. Now, that's what other people do, but you still have a response in that and processing it back with the Lord. Because these things haven't been dealt with with the Lord, there's pollution that just wells up in your heart. And we start to listen to a version of the Lord, but we twist it with our feelings, our hurt emotions, and our woundedness, and we begin to make it something that God never intended it to be. I know I'm landing home somewhere. Had some recent conversations, even myself, Greg. And I heard some things that just didn't sound right. Some comments that were made. And, and I thought, well, that, there's just something weird about that. There was criticism and judgment and, and some resentment involved in that. And, and so I was like, I leaned in. I was like, what, 
When I began to question it, I found out that there was no basis of fact or truth in anything that it was being said. And in fact, the more that they begin to communicate, and this is multiple, multiple people, by the way. This is not the same person. Different, different issues, different circumstances, but they were on the fringe. Hear me on this. They were fringed out. And the more they began to communicate what, was, what they were seeing and believing, I began to give factual, truthful, adequate responses back that made them think, huh, I don't know why I was thinking that way at all in the beginning. I can tell you why. Because you were on the fringe. And here's what love does. Love leans in to find understanding as to how this individual or these individuals got to where they are to find that understanding for the sake of empathy so that we can together draw out of this lie, this place, so that we can find restoration and reconciliation. And that has to take part on both parts. And reconciliation can't happen unless there's repentance involved. Because without repentance, the individual is going to go and do the same thing over and over and over again. That's it. <laughs> but then I was, I, was, I was sitting there one day thinking about this, and I was driving down the road, and I realized it had been 30 minutes. And I'm thinking about this same conversation ruminating in my head over and over and over. 30 minutes later, I arrived where I was, and I'm like, how did I even get here? I don't remember driving any. It, it, am I the only one that's ever done that? No, no there's a wave of hands. This is not a, a, a baseball field where everybody does the wave. Here it is right here. But that's where I was. And I realized, whoa, there's, there's some stuff in my heart. And I don't need to be listening to stuff that's going on in my head. And I remember the Lord's Prayer. And after the Lord's Prayer, God, Jesus gives this commentary of, unless you forgive your brother, your heavenly father won't forgive you. That's true. And I need some forgiveness, y'all. And then there's another place in Matthew 5 where it says, even if, you're, if, you, if your brother, if you believe your brother has something against you, God says, you go and make it right with them, then you come back and talk with me. So I got to make some stuff right before I try to talk to him. Otherwise, he's sitting there, you need to make stuff right before you come to me. That's his word. Gosh, that's so hard. <laughs> yeah, but it's the word of God. And that's where faith comes in and trusting that he's going to bring restoration and reconciliation from that. And some of us aren't talking with God because we have pollution in our heart, and it looks like shame. It looks like resentment. It looks like unforgiveness. And these three things, these three are best friends. They love to hang out together. They, they love to wreck you, and they love to give you little words of insight. And all of a sudden, especially spouses, you go to bed on that anger, you woke up enlightened. I knew they were from the devil. <laughs> Satan spawn. He got me. So James 1.21 says this, though, right here. Get rid of all of the filth and evil in your lives, and then you will be able to humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts, for it is strong enough to save your soul. You see, there's a word that this actually describes right here, and many church people, many good people are going away from it, and they think it's a negative comment, and it's not. And the word is repent. The word is it's simply, I was going this way, and I was believing this, and I thought this was the truth, and this was my best interpretation of, of the situation, or this is what culture was encouraging me to do, but it's wrong. And I'm just going to change my mind, metanoia, I'm going to change the process of my thinking, and I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to choose 
to let this be my foundation of what I believe and why I believe it. But we can't begin a new life until we turn from the old. Let me say it this way. You can't have a fresh start into a new life until you've gotten rid of old things from your life. We can't hold on to the old and try to go into the fresh. And many are here today wanting that fresh start. And here's what that second soil looks like right here. Luke 8, 13 says, The rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy. Hallelujah, what a great message. Pastor Nathan just preached the best message ever. Every weekend. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't even go very deep. They believe for a while, but they wilt when the hot winds of testings blow. Best message ever. Oh, hallelujah, I'm all excited. And then I walk out the door, and I'm like, what was that that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me? It was so impactful. It was so good. But, man, man that chicken spaghetti at Cotton Patch, though. <laughs> man, have you been to that buffet at Tilo's? Well, the, the whisper, the, the distractions that come in, my, my appetite, my fleshly appetite is greater than my spiritual appetite. This was life-changing, but boy, this changes my appetite, my hunger. I can take a good nap on this. And we get focused on a wrong focus and the wrong things. Or, and you can't remember what the Holy Spirit was saying. And because it comes from pollution or this thing that's a distraction, and that's what we call it, number two, is a distracted heart. And for me, I'm telling you, one of the most prevalent, apparent uh, distractions that we have in our day is this little thing right here. It can be such a blessing, but, or it can be such a curse, like so many other things in our lives. It's how we use it, what we do with it. And, and I don't know if I'm the same, or you're the same as me, but every morning, it's usually dark in my house, I wake up early, and so I often can't read this right here because of the, 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 the dark, the, the lack of light in the room, and so I turn on my, my iPad or my phone, and, and it's those crazy little mean red dots that show up on my phone. They're on my, they're on my email, they're on my text, they're on my phone, they're called notifications, and they're straight from the pit of hell. And some of y'all got notifications on every app that you have. And so it's like a constant billboard, just bling and bling and bling and bling. And you are distracted all day long and never can re remember what God is saying to you. But that's another story. And so I'm, I will find myself, if I lean into those evil little red dots on my emails, 30 minutes later, I have never spent time in the Lord. And let me tell you, don't answer a response. Don't answer an email having not spent time with the Lord. Amen. That leads to a whole barrel of problems. <laughs> and I'm confessing, y'all. Y'all know confession. It's, it's good for the soul, but terrible for the reputation. <laughs> y'all hear what Pastor Nathan did and does all the time? You ought to email him something evil in the middle of the night. See what he does? <laughs> no way. So I have to set up rigid boundaries, and so I made a commitment that I, I will either turn the light on and open this thing up right here, or... I will choose to open no other app except for my U version until I've spent extended amount of time in one of these getting this right here set right before I respond to any one of those evil little red dots. And they're not always bad. I'm just making a little illustration. But here's a, here's a, a story about distractions in Jesus' presence right here. Luke 10, 39 says, And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. Oh, but Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. And listen, I'm guilty. 
I can get involved, see a need, and I want to feel that need, and I want to just start serving others because I love it. I know it's God's heart, and I love to just be and just do things and see joy on people's lives because their lives are being changed. But sometimes I'm not doing it from the abundance of the overflow, and that's how we want to serve. Meaning I haven't spent time with God and getting filled up and carrying his heart for the other individual in that situation, and I'm ministering from me and not from him. And that's when it gets ugly. I'm doing all this stuff, and you don't appreciate it. You ain't doing it for me. It's for him. But I'm thinking that it's for you, and I need something from you if I haven't gone to him. I'm speaking. To To hear God's voice, we must turn down the world's volume. And too much of us, too many of us are listening to the news, the social media, the culture, what's going on. And we are well-meaning believers, God-fearing individuals who are taking information and advice from out there. And unfortunately, we are bringing it in here rather than sitting right here at the feet of Jesus like Mary, listening to him intently, coming in here, being filled up, worshiping God, and then taking the good news out there. Next soil, 814, Luke, the seed that fell, on, uh, fell among weeds. Anybody ever tried to grow a weed? A weed, not weed, a <laughs> weed. And it doesn't take a whole lot of work and a whole lot of effort to grow a weed, a weed's out in the garden. I mean, but it does take a lot of maintenance and persistence to maintain weeds that are in your garden. This week, uh, my father-in-law got out in front of my house just tired of seeing the the two years of overgrowth in my landscaping right outside my front porch, but life's been that busy. And so we, we took all the weeds out. We took the weed barrier out, and we started transplanting the plants. You know what, you know what weeds are a sign of? Neglect. And so many of us, so many people in the body of Christ are transplanting because of neglect towards time in God's word, neglect from being in the fold with other believers, and neglect from being planted all in in the church that God has you at. Ooh. But this seed fell among the weeds. It stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. Path number three is the, mature, the immature heart. They think, yeah, I'm saved, I'm good. And God's like, yeah, you're good, but you've been acting like a baby ever since you've been good. And it's time for you to grow up and mature so that you can stand the test of time. Allie and I have uh, a lot of conversations, a, a lot of conversations about, the li- about life, about the future, about plans, about our children, some of the goals we have for them, that we desire for them. And that's one level of conversations I have, conversation I have in my home. I have a five-year-old who's starting to grow in her, her personality and her little vo- her, her words and her language. And so I, I meet her right where she is at her maturity level, and I try to talk to her just above that maturity level so she can grow in maturity. And then I do the same thing with my two-and-a-half-year-old. He's getting a little personality. He's getting his strengths. He's getting his passions. He likes his little red tractor that he drives all around our farm, our place. And it, it, I mean, he's growing, and I meet him right where he's at, and I try to speak to him a little bit more mature than where he is so that he can grow within the maturity level that I'm speaking to him at. My point is this. Many of you are tired of the way the, the conversations that you're having with God because they're not very deep. 
and it's on you. Because God is trying to have mature conversations with you and you feel like you're not hearing or you're not intently listening to what he has to say, so you're not growing within what he's trying to tell you. And you're not able to discern if it's from him or from the stranger's voice, the competing voice, because you're not rooted and grounded in this. This is his spoken word that it will never change. It can't, be de- it can't be defeated. It's everlasting, and it always will be. Not one of these things inside of here will pass away, but heaven and earth will. The most foundational thing that you can have is right here, but instead we want to veer away from that, act like we're hearing from him, and can't discern that we're hearing from a stranger. Whew. I want to be honest, though. I can easily find myself acting like Martha instead of Mary. And I know you can too. That's why I have to be so intentional. That's why I have to find myself right here whenever this stuff starts to get mixed up, what's in my heart starts to get jumbled. That's why I need to find myself around a circle of friends that will listen to my heart and be able to discern, buddy, there's something's not in there that's looking good. Let's talk through that. I need others around me. It's on us to take the next steps, though, to deepen our level of understanding of the scriptures and our our spirituality and relationship with him. He's invited us, but we have to take the invitation. Hebrews uh, 12, 1 and 2 says this, Since we are surrounded by so many examples... We, of faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must focus on Jesus. And you know, maybe it's time to join that men's group. Maybe it's time to, to get registered to a tribe. Come here on Wednesday nights. Maybe it's time for your, your students, your youth, to get plugged into a student ministry. Maybe it's time for you to lead the way by showing that you're willing to get stuck, plugged into a tribe. Instead of transplanting, bouncing around, time to get plugged in, in a circle of people who love you right where you are and want to help you become all God created you to be. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Since we, we, us, us, next, We, us, we. It's showing us that we can't do this on our own by ourselves, just us and God. Because the testing comes when we bring, when God brings other people in our life to see where we are right here in this little space. Growth happens when we're doing it with other people who have a desire to grow in the same direction that we desire to go. It's a place, when we get into a place where we can take the mask off, where we can begin to get a little vulnerable. You can, you can try, sign up this week, anytime. Take your phone out. Woo! Now that's, that's worth signing up for right there. Let me just tell you. QR code, pick one. There's plenty out there. It's time to grow and mature and stop being the immature plant that's grown up in the weeds, never getting plugged in, always distracted. Maturity comes when we stop making excuses and we start making changes. And we are forced to make changes when we step into a tribe or we join a ministry team because now we've got to get outside of ourselves and we see what's really going on with this you and God relationship. 
And it's in those moments that that's how we find pastoring. Well, I never got pastored. Did you ever get in a team? Did you ever get on a tribe? Well, no, then it was your choice to not be pastored. That's how we pastor one another. That's why we pastor the church. That's how we get pastored. That's how we love others. We give, we give to a Timothy and we get from a Paul. This is God's desire. It's his whole design for us. And the next soil is the one that stays planted, no longer wavers with the fads and the strange voices, and no longer talks like a baby. Luke 8, 15 says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by, here's a lost word, persevering, Amen. produce a crop. Can we get some, can we get some believers that will persevere a little bit? We call, we call this right here the prepared heart. And I want to tell you how to get prepared. It's really easy, and it's a three-step process. It's so simple. Number one, you just repent. Man, I've been, I've been going my own way, doing my own thing. I'm just going to turn right now. I'm going to choose a different path. And the next one is to refocus. You know today started last night, meaning you can't go to bed at midnight and get up and early in the morning and make it to church and be happy. So, so tomorrow starts tonight. Go to bed at 8 p.m. Maybe I need to get to bed a little earlier so I can wake up a little earlier so I can start this thing they call Devo, devotion time. Or maybe you already are doing a devotion time, and maybe it's time to add some worship. Or maybe it's time to add some journaling. Adding something so that I can refocus for the sake of revive. And asking the Lord and trusting them he, that Him that He will do it. Lord, revive my soul. Revive my mind. Revive my spirit within me. And I'm telling you, you sit there under the presence of God and you let him begin to set in the, come in the room and you turn this thing into a dialogue instead of a monologue. And I promise you, revival will begin to set inside of you, saturate you, and you will be a walking revival everywhere you go because you'll be focused on the word of God and the voice of God and what he is doing. Worship team, you can come on up. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says this, Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. And it, let, let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Because God's voice is clearest in a prepared environment. And I remember... I, if I can be real, 2005, 6, 7, they weren't easy for me. I found myself in a state of depression. And it wasn't going anywhere. Everything that I had built to be true was false. Everything that I tried to hold on to was sandy soil. Everything that I was living for was culture. Until God began to awaken my heart. And I I wasn't sure if I was hearing his voice or not, but I began to just get open and transparent and real. He led me into a small group of what I know to be friends now. I joined this thing that was for the first time ever for me, a, a small group, and I realized this is a safe place. I can take off my mask. I can let them know this ugliness is going on on the inside. And right there, they loved me, they built me up, they encouraged me, they gave me the word of God, and they followed it up with action. And that began to shift everything for me. God began to rebuild the ancient ruins, if you will. And what was torn down by the spiritual war and the effects of my, 
my, un, my lack of knowledge, if you will say, God would begin to restore it with his word and his truth and then his body. It was in the, the, the circle of people around me that he began to develop me and strengthen me and build me back up and edify me and give me a hope once again. And I'm telling you right now, I really feel like that's the story for all of us. Because we all, we all have endured the last 18 months together. And there's trauma everywhere from it. And I'm telling you, so many people don't know what to believe because every, every direction is telling you something different. What is real? What is true? What is noble? What is right? Let me tell you, Philippians will tell you. Philippians will tell you, think about that and think about that only. And you can do that when you start to get around other people and you really start to get open. You know what? I can think of a thousand other things I'd rather be doing as well. But that's what mature people do. Mature believers get with others and they start to get real and they start to take off the mask. Can I pray with you? Father, would you just impart courage into every one of us to just get real with you, to take off the mask, to be transparent, to find healing. Father, we pray for those who are dealing with unforgiveness, who have pollution in their hearts, Lord, from resentment and bitterness. Father, we just pray for repentance. Pray for reconciliation of relationships. Pray for repentance within the relationships, Father, for the sake of restoration. And we just pray for unity in the body. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you pour out yourself upon us and revive us yet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Y'all come with me.